Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation. The Around the NFL Podcast. Wants to throw the ball zero times this year. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler to my left, and Greg Rosenthal to my right. What's up, boys? Hey, now. All right. This is the week six Recap our Sunday flagship program presented, of course, by Head and Shoulders. Checks all the boxes, cleans you, get the, uh, the old shampoo, get the conditioner, two in one. That saves time every day, Mark. I don't know why, you know, other companies would create separate shampoos and conditioners at this point. They've they've clearly beaten the system, and it helps the uh, the purchaser, the person who would be using Head and Shoulders. Yeah. I'm glad we got all this covered right off the bat. <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> uh, yeah, we could do an entire Head and Shoulders podcast. And, and in fact, Lindsay, let's check that off for the off season. Save it for the Head and Shoulders pe- podcast. But for now, we have to talk about football in Week Six and uh, a week that will be remembered and defined by what we lost, what the Packers lost, what the NFL lost, what their fans lost. Aaron Rodgers injury, and we're going to get to that in just a couple of minutes. But Greg, other than the Rodgers injury, this was a, a fun week on a, a on a slate of games that wasn't so so hot. Let's face it, but the games were pretty hot. No, the matchups on paper look like the worst Sunday of the, of the season, and yet there was a lot of wild things going on. Two seventeen nothing comebacks. The the Saints Lions game, which had a almost a forty five to ten comeback, an overtime game, and there was just a lot going on. Absolutely it's entertaining, and yeah. We're gonna just about to talk about it, but Aaron Rodgers in a span of seven days, Mark. Aaron Rodgers, JJ Watt, Odell Beckham, all wiped away. Rodgers probably for the rest of the season, though we don't know for sure. I don't know how many more big names we can afford to lose. I mean, it changes the scenery of the season completely. Hey, we lost Chris Wessling, and we survived. 
Now these teams have to figure out a way to survive. Well, he he's back. He's been in the mix. He's going to be on this. Well, I'm not saying like Wes is gone, but we did lose him for a large portion. We had to play hurt. We had to play hurt. Like the Packers are going to play hurt. But the good news for us is that Wes is going to be back in this studio, and the use of the word word could be out for the season from Aaron Rodgers and the Packers releasing that during the game felt like. Yeah, he's probably out for the season. Like you said, they're setting expectations with their fan base. Yeah, they're letting them know this isn't going to be a seven-week situation. It's on his throwing shoulder. It's different than the last time he got hurt. Yeah, once upon a time, Aaron Rodgers said, uh, relax. Do not relax, Packers fans. Freak out. Freak out. Let's get it going and uh, talk a little bit about the game in which Aaron Rodgers played, perhaps his last of 2017. Snap to Rodgers, steps up, scrambles right, buying time, dumps it off, and Bennett uh. dropped it incomplete. He was wide open just outside the 50-yard line, number on the right side. Another drop for Martellus Aaron Bennett. slow to get up, Wayne. And he's down. Rodgers down on his back, back near the 30-yard line. Now they've got him sitting up. Come out on the field for an injured player. Looked like it was Anthony Barr hitting them. Aaron Rodgers just now getting up. Wayne Larrabee and Larry McCarron of WTMJ with the call. If the Packers are going to make another Super Bowl run this season, they'll have to do it without Aaron Rodgers. The star quarterback suffered a broken collarbone in the first half of Green Bay's 23-10 loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, The Packers announced the injury and added ominously that Rodgers could be out the remainder of the season, uh, which makes it a different feel than the first time Rodgers broke his collarbone back during the 2013 season. Now, joining us on the phone... Today is the mailman, Chris Wessling, uh, just speaking about the great Wes. Um, buddy, how are you? I'm doing okay. All right, good. Uh, so this was devastating news for Rodgers and the pack. And let's face it, bad news for football fans, too. I think if you – I was thinking about this. You could look back and say in the 21st century, this is the most ruinous injury we've seen, considering what the expectations were, how Rodgers was playing – this is the most confident I've ever heard Mike McCarthy about his offense in all the years he's been in Green Bay. And they go from being, in my opinion, the Super Bowl favorites in the NFC to a team now that will be lucky to make the playoffs. I think the Vikings have to be seen as the clear favorites, even if Case Keenum is their starter for a while. It's, it is crazy. It, it's very reminiscent of the Patriots losing Tom Brady coming off of a, a 16-0 and season. That that season was just starting and you're right getting to watch Rodgers these last couple weeks and getting that feel and I think we all had it that he was about to have a special season somehow makes it more painful and then you watch this game closely Wes I don't feel like there's a lot of hope that this team can have a fun magical run without him which they have done in the past they've won some games without Aaron Rodgers before well let's uh, and this is and just to jump in it for a second here the fun magical run that probably isn't going to happen. It's because of just nine words that will live in infamy for Packers fans. This is from Mike McCarthy after the game. As far as the quarterback position, uh, Brett Hundley's my quarterback. Joe Callahan's a backup. That's the direction we're going. That is the focus. And um, that's where we are. That was more than nine words, but you get the point. Wes, uh, do you see any chance of magic? I, I do. I don't want to over- overreact to today when both starting tackles and Lane Taylor, their guard who has played a lot of tackles uh, because of injuries, all three of those guys were out for the second half. So what we saw out of Brett Hundley today, 
I think you can take that with a grain of salt. And I don't blame the Packers for looking in-house. Brett Hundley's a guy who's been in the office, offense for three years. He drew trade interest at the, during the draft for good reason. I think he's one of the high upside backups in the NFL. So I do, I do think there's a chance that he can keep the team afloat, but they're obviously going to have to get more out of the running game and hope that those offensive line injuries, uh, they have a bye in two weeks. So maybe by week nine, they're back to full strength. And I don't understand the alarm that they would go with Hunley. You've spent years developing him. Right. This is why they have why, why? Yeah, why would you have come to the point in any season where he would be your backup if you weren't comfortable with him stepping in in this situation? This, this concept that they're going to try to get Tony Romo or pull some veteran off the couch, no, go with Hunley. Yeah, are you going to put Tony Romo behind an offensive line missing three starters? No, that doesn't make any sense. I, I, I agree with you totally. This is exactly why you have... Uh, you draft and develop a Brett Hundley for exactly this situation. Yeah, yeah, any Romo talk is nonsense. It's like, hey, Tony, can you come out of retirement, even though you're getting rave reviews in your new job, uh, try to save the Packers, and then there's a chance Aaron Rodgers comes back, and then you get to watch the playoffs from the sideline for the second <laughs> straight year. Come on back, Tony. Right. I don't think the Packers would be interested in it either. I mean, this is Hundley's third year, so it's kind of a, a perfect scenario in terms of having him ready. He played a lot this preseason. I think he was a little up and down. He certainly showed a lot in his rookie preseason, but you're right, Wes, that the rest of the team needs to step up, and I, I don't know if they you felt like they did that today, but this is a this was a tough spot being on the road against such a good defense. I mean, they were lucky to, from just looking at the, the box score to get the 10 points they had. All 10 points are off turnovers on, on short fields. I wonder how good the rest of this team is. I When I watched Rodgers the first five weeks, he covered up for mistakes and injuries more than any quarterback in the league. They don't have fast wide receivers. They don't have really a speed element on their offense outside of Aaron Jones. So but Jordy think, Nelson. What's that? You're not buying the, the, the 2017 Jordy? He's lost a step. Mm. I think he has a great rapport with Rodgers, but he's not fast. What about, um, before we move on, Wes, on the Viking side, in the game itself, any other takeaways that you had? Well, to be honest, I was writing about Aaron Rodgers for a lot of this. Yeah, what I, I saw out of Case Keenum was more game manager this week than he's been. As Greg knows, he's been, he's been quite a good playmaker, but definitely in game manager mode. There was a really nice screen pass to Jarek McKinnon that went for a touchdown. Um, and Adam Thielen had a good game. But it was mostly about this defense. Guys like Everson Griffin and Harrison Smith are having all-pro years. Harrison Smith was phenomenal with a sack and a half and one of the most spectacular diving interceptions you'll see. I mean, they had 13 quarterback hits today. And at one point in the game late, they're down 13 points, 320 to go, 96 yards to get a touchdown. And Mike McCarthy calls two straight runs to the call start that drive and that to me was like hey Packers fans here's life without Aaron Rodgers we're running the ball down 13 with three to play but I think the reason he did it is because his quarterback was getting absolutely killed because pressured from wall to wall right uh and one and Wes one one last note to you and I don't want to be the bearer of bad news but hardly can get on Wes you know Aaron (laughs) Rodgers breaking his collarbone but it was Wes's lock of the week the results, the yeah. results. Sorry, Wes. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think I'm going to put an asterisk next to that one. But, <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, because I did that I'm with much, the Patriots' victory today, so you could do that. The football world to not be able to watch Aaron Rodgers and me to miss a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair perspective. It's true. 
All right, Wes, we're, we're going to keep going. Uh, why don't you uh, go back to whatever you're doing, which I'm sure is sexy. <laughs> All right. Enjoy. Later, Wes. All right, let's move on. Roethlisberger from the gun, takes the snap, looks left, throws left, and it's deflected and caught. Brown's got it along the sidelines, inside the 15, the 10, 5. Touchdown, Steelers. 51 yards. How about that? That's impossible. Impossible, but possible because it happened. So it wasn't impossible. That's correct. Bill Hargrove <laughs> and uh, Tunch Ilkin with WDVE with the call. Antonio Brown stole away a sure interception and turned it into a touchdown. And Le'Veon Bell ran for 179 yards and a touchdown to lead the Pittsburgh Steelers to a 19-13 win over the Chiefs who have now, like the rest of the NFL, tasted bitter defeat. This was a hugely important road win for the Steelers, Mark Sessler, and one that has the potential to finally get their season into gear, which wasn't even a bad condition to start with. They're now 4-2, and two, but now you wonder if they could really catapult themselves off this win. It wasn't in terrible condition, but it was a team that it's unusual for this to be the way Pittsburgh's seen was I think viewed as sort of a drama magnet where you've got the quarterback saying stuff that's generating headlines, bickering with his wide receiver, seemed like on a week-to-week basis, Big Ben's calling someone else out. There were all sorts of things going on. And now, after today, you can put all that in the rearview mirror because you've taken out what was seen as the best team in the AFC and the Steelers are back in the conversation to do whatever we thought they would have done before the year. Well, and they did it in the exact same way they did it in January last year. So as big as a win as this is for the Steelers, and it is, they're now back in first place all by themselves for the AFC North. I think it's a bigger loss for the Chiefs. And yeah, you know, they're in fine shape, but they just got manhandled at home by the exact same team that manhandled them at home in the playoffs last year. And I know that game was close, but if you look at the numbers, these two games were strikingly similar where the Steelers outgained the Chiefs by about 180 yards where they had the ball for 35, 36 minutes, held it the whole time. You have James Harrison getting the key defensive play of the game late with the sack against Eric Fisher. It's all the same stuff. It was domination. Yeah, and everything that we've been hearing for five weeks so far this season would make you think that this game wouldn't play out in a similar way, and yet it did. So you have to wonder what uh, the Chiefs are thinking inside their locker room after this game and as they drive home. And... um, That's the thing, though. The Steelers badly, badly outplayed the Chiefs uh, for, I would say, 75% of this game to the point where the Chiefs, I think, had 25 yards of offense total with about three and a half minutes to play in the third quarter. Wow. And the Steelers were missing opportunities uh, to put put some distance between them, and it almost came back to haunt them. The Chiefs had the ball uh, around midfield with a chance to steal the game uh, with a one-point victory, and they could not – close it out. James Harrison with a huge sack, a guy that hasn't even been active lately, uh, comes up with the, the, the massive sack there. I thought it was a really, really important win for the Steelers and one that the Chiefs probably now a little humbling for them. Yeah. Think how huge this is, because let's say they get locked with the same record in a pretty lousy AFC where there isn't a dominant team. Huge win for Pittsburgh on that front. And the AFC North, we'll get to some of these teams later, is a bad division right now. Right. It's a bad division that Pittsburgh suddenly looks completely different than the other two teams, if not all three. Well, you get a, vent- a vintage 
Le'Veon Bell game, 179 yards, 32 attempts. This That's the third game, by the way, this season that Bell has gone over 30 touches. So I think they need to be a little concerned about that. That's a lot to ask out of him. And you also got a little more confidence in Ben Roethlisberger by the end of the game. Uh, this is a, a post-game quote, and I want you guys to interpret <laughs> this for me. He said this. He said, this okay cowboy got a little something left in him. <laughs> Well, I do think that Big Ben likes attention, Ugh. and it's it's sort of just every week it's something like this with him. Well, this is, I have a little bit of an issue with, with Ralph. He's a cowboy? And the Steelers, he's no. definitely not a cowboy, first of all. He's a guy from Ohio. Um, this idea that it's like they, they like to get on a high horse and say things like, hey, you media guys, you take the ball and you run with it, and then we have to deal with the wreckage and all this, like, I'm paraphrasing, but, like, <laughs> this general idea. And then Wait, so that's not a direct quote. Not okay. a direct quote, Fair. but more like the spirit of what they try to say, both Tomlin and, and Roethlisberger and whoever else. And then he says things like that, and it's like, all right, so we're just le- you're supposed to say that stuff, and then we're just supposed to be like, okay, move on. <laughs> I mean, of course we've got to try to interpret what it means. I guess it means he thinks he's still like a John Wayne figure in the NFL. I, my- my one thing with Pittsburgh is that don't try to convince me that they're impervious to even seven days from now, a total letdown. They still sure. have that in their DNA. But one thing that I love about this team this year that is different than last year, it is a better defense. We talked all offseason about how they have more playmakers on this defense, and I think that showed up. Kareem Hunt, nine carries for 21 yards. I mean, they are the first team to shut down Kareem Hunt. Uh, they The Chiefs really didn't get it going passing. They, by the way, they have a Thursday night game this week, and Tyreek Hill and Sharkandrick West were both concussed yeah. in this game, so that's a quick turn around and they're going to have to try to get a division win against the Raiders. Tyreek Hill didn't seem like he knew where he was on the sideline after his kick return. And I and I just my final thought about the game is just, you know, sports are funny like that because the Steelers were the better team in this game and yet they needed luck to win because this game is 12-10. Uh, midway through the fourth quarter. And I remember thinking to myself, because the Chiefs had finally uh, scored a touchdown, and uh, they had actually bypassed the field goal earlier and went for it on fourth uh, fourth and two from the four and not gotten it. So they still got within two, and I remember thinking, this is a big gut, gut check moment for the Steelers. And then Big Ben sails went to the sideline that should have been picked, went through the mm-hmm. defender's hands, and then went for a touchdown because Antonio Brown's a special player. So the Steelers got a little lucky, despite also being the better team. Eh, sports are funny. That's my point. Sports can be cruel. Aaron Rodgers. They can be funny. A very solid point. Yeah, sports. Um, and that's why you would like them. Let's move on. Oh, before we move on, I think I, uh, I think I locked that one up. <laughs> what? How about that? I know you just want to like move on, Dan. But it's like that's a pretty good no, lockup. That was a good lockup. I that, think the Steelers that, on the road against a 5-0 and team. That was a pivotal and a noticeable lockup by you. Yeah. You couldn't have asked for anyone to do a better job. Don't patronize me. Let's move on. Ryan from the Miami 26 fires downfield and the ball is intercepted. The Dolphins have it. Rashad Jones. All right. Makes the offense with this game. <laughs> the first interception of the year for the Miami Dolphins defense, and it couldn't have come at a better time. That ball oh. was right on target. The receiver had it in his breadbasket, and then Landry took it away. Wow, I He's think we bread got, basket. We got to put that one on the list. Let's mark that one off, Lindsay. Jimmy, jeez, uh, I wish I knew how to pronounce these last names. It's really unprofessional. Cephalo, Cephalo. I think it's Cephalo. Cephalo. Sure it's Cephalo. Okay, yeah. Jimmy Cephalo and Bob Greasy with a call WQAM on the day that the seventy-two Dolphins uh, 
Pop the corks on the champagne again. Get over it, guys. The Dolphins had a really big win. Rashad Jones picked <laughs> off Matt Ryan, putting the finish, finishing touches on a dramatic 20-17 to 17 win uh, over the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, this was a Dolphins team that found a way to win despite falling behind 17-0 at the half against the defending a- NFC champions. And Mark Sessler, uh, I don't think I, I said this during our Sky Sports hit. And I'll say it again here. I don't think any of us expected to see Jay Cutler and Gutty come back in the same sentence this year. Not at all. And we just talked about the Steelers as a team that has somehow escaped a month of drama. Talk about the Dolphins. You're three and two. They were talked about as a team that was, you know, the 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 ship was completely sinking. To- totally a messy franchise organization. Things going the wrong way, and it looked that way again at the end of the first half. They're down seventeen nothing, and. Right away, it looked like the Falcons were going to come out and, and dominate even more than they did in terms of the score. Miami's defense, though, as much as Jay Cutler, he 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 kind of strung together what I would say probably his two best quarters in the second half of the season, which isn't saying much. But this Dolphins defense, when they also can run the ball with Jay Ajayi, that's the formula for them to get through the AFC with another winning record like last year because the defense this time around is very legitimate. Kiko Alonso, you know, they lose Vance Joseph who goes to Denver, but the defense has been better. Kiko Alonso is playing really well. Lawrence Timmons, after he came back from his departure, has, has kind of solidified that linebacker group, where which was really a big-time weakness last year. But to come back from 17 nothing in Atlanta, to me, is the most surprising result of the NFL season. Before this, it was the Redskins totally shutting down Oakland for me. But now in hindsight, that wasn't that crazy. Everyone shuts down Oakland. After watching a month of Jay Cutler and what we mentioned on Thursday was the number one offense in terms of yards per drive, for them to blow a 17-0 lead at home, I mean, you don't want to bring up the Super Bowl or anything like that, but that is about as bad a home loss as you're going to have. Especially when there were no hints in the first half that this was coming. In, in, in by the way, not a lot happened on offense for the Dolphins. They, they'd strung enough together to make this thing, you know, to, to get the win in the end. But there was one key moment that I thought, you look at these kind of comebacks and what's like the, the kernel. And there was a play where Cutler in the third quarter threw an interception that I think would have absolutely provided an onslaught. Atlanta could have just soared from there. But Grady Jarrett, the Falcons defender, had a roughing the passer penalty that reversed the interception. The Dolphins went on to score and pull within, you know, to pull much closer. That changed everything from there. Was that your comeback colonel? Uh, that was my... Sponsored I, by, my like, Comeback colonel of the week. <laughs> sponsored no. by Orville. Um, I'm still workshopping the name for that, right. that I segment. Feel, well, I feel like comeback colonel is pretty good. <laughs> anyway. Go with that for now. Um, you say, Greg, that... That the what was the game? The Raiders loss uh, was not at the time. T- retrospect now at the time, yeah, that was the most like that day. I was shocked by what Wait, happened. What about Patriots I, Chiefs? I, no, all right. At least the Chiefs are a real team. My point being, my point being is that the the Falcons have been on my radar a little bit this yes. season. Um, of course, they started three and zero, and everybody thought, oh, they're they're just going to keep cruising. But if you really examine these games that they played in. I don't want to go crazy, but they could be they could be one in four with a little less luck. I know you could say that about any team and all that, but really, in their case, if you examine the end of a couple of those wins in September, you could easily make that case. They don't have 
that they might be, be able they might be moving the ball market maybe you could tell me if they were moving the ball well I know it doesn't seem like they were in the second half but they're not scoring as many points Matt Ryan is not nearly as productive when you look at his numbers this year mm-hmm. so this is not the same Falcons team as last year and I don't know how much of that goes on the offense coordinator change or what but there are some problems in Atlanta. I think it just was a lot to expect them to duplicate what happened during a very special season last year. I th- it reminds me a little bit of two years ago, the first year under Kyle Shanahan, where Matt Ryan got caught in, t- in too many turnovers. And that happened again today. And over their final five drives, they produced zero points. Mm. Uh, all right. So, and then the Falcons and Patriots next week. So we'll see how they recover after what had to be a stunning loss for this team. Let's move on. A shotgun snap, a twist up front, an nice. extra rusher for the Jets, a throw down the middle, yeah. by Gronkowski, 15, a flag down at the 10, runs into the end zone, high-stepping to a touchdown, Patriots! And the big boy gets it, steps through, and takes it in. <laughs> Bob Soshi and Scott Zolak, there he is, WBZ, with the call. Rob Gronkowski scored two touchdowns, and the Patriots wiped out an early two-touchdown deficit in a 24-17 win over the Jets at the Meadowlands. Uh, this was some uh, classic throne of ease stuff right here. The uh, the Patriots got some help from the NFL's arcane rule book in the form of a Austin Safarian Jenkins touchdown that was overturned into a touchback midway through the fourth quarter. It's going to be a talking point. Um, if I wasn't, if I didn't have this jet season and some perspective, I would have lost my sh- in the newsroom today. Like potentially get fired, lost my. Sh- there's no way to look at that replay and not be completely baffled. As Dan Fouts said, Dan Fouts said he never seen it was. Like it. I was emotional. If I, if, I was, if I thought the Jets had playoff aspirations or a, playoff, or a real team, I would have been furious about this. Um, we have the call from the Jets radio network of the announcement I'm sure uh, they took by it the well. officials. Let's listen. They are taking a look on the replay just to make sure that Safarian Jenkins did get in. Wow. The result of the review is the Jets just lost the football. They lost the touchdown and they lost the ball. And I would imagine their sideline might go ballistic. Unbelievable. Uh, un- I mean, it was a, it would have it was a game where they were up 14 nothing, went down 24-14. This would have made it 24-21 uh, with about 5 or 6 minutes to play. And I got to say something like I understand that the the rule book, the officials, according to the rule book, interpreted this, I suppose, correctly. I have a statement that, you know, they sent the referee Tony Corrente uh, had this statement to the pool reporter after the game. I want I want to read this to you and you guys could tell me if this is a, a acceptable Please do. explanation. The final shot that we saw from. The end zone that showed New York Jets runner will call him a runner at that point with the football starting to go toward the ground. He lost the ball. It came out of his control as he was almost to the ground. Now he regrasps the ball and by rule, now he has to complete the process of a recovery, which means he has to survive the ground again. So in recovering it, he recovered, hit the knee, started to roll and the ball came out a second time. So the ball started to move in his hands this way. He's now out of bounds in the end zone, which now created a touchback. So he didn't survive the recovery and he didn't survive the ground during the recovery is what happened here. You didn't survive either. Holy God. Ah! There was... <laughs> 
Now watch the play and tell me if what that 150-word explanation, if that actually made sense. Because he never lost the ball. It was it juggled in his hand, hand momentarily. He, re, he regained possession, got tackled through the end zone, hitting the pylon. And we get this explanation. And Al Riveron's going to be on NFL Total Access on Tuesday. And it's the first thing they're going to ask him about. And he's going to say that this was called properly. But what Al Riveron should be doing, Al, you should be saying, you know what, everybody? I understand that this is not being interpreted correctly. By the rule book, my officials did the right job. But I understand that my officials are be put, being put in a bad position by and overturning a huge play like that. I want to talk well, to he, the rules committee, and I want to get this straightened out because this is not in the best interest in the, of the game or my, official, my officials. Oh, I know he's not going to say that because he's the official. I mean, he's the one deciding all of this. The, the New York office stands behind this call completely because they made the call. They right. went to them. I know. Right. That's what, so. Because he did. They called it to the letter of the rule book, but the rule book is wrong. Right. And that's why what, somebody has to have a conversation. No, it was called a touchdown initially. I think the argument that makes the most sense to me is, was that really indisputable evidence, which they've usually been sticking by this year? Like, is that indisputable evidence? There's a couple things. There's that, which I don't, I don't quite understand. And then there's number two, which is, I've said for a long time, the fumble the ball through the end zone that means that the other team gets a touchback rule makes no sense. It's one of the most illogical rules in sports, and it's hurt teams time and again. You fumble anywhere else on the field, and the team that fumbles keeps the ball. So even if you said that that he fumbles, I never really understood why does the other team get the ball in Not that consistent. scenario. I feel yeah. like that can change. Let's push for that to change. We got the goal. We got the uprights raised. Let's change that. All right. That's all good. But I want everyone else to look at that play and tell me if that's a fumble and, a, and should be a, a turnover. You're not, a, you're not alone. I think a lot of people agree. It's, it's, it, you come out where there's the story of the day is injuries, and it's a call like this that is too baffling to football fans to look at and say any sense was made of this play. You know who wasn't happy about this? Keith Hansis. Mm. His name is Keith. He's Dan's dad. No doubt about it, he's a big Jets fan. What is he gonna say about the game today? What is he gonna say about the game today? Game six, whoever figured the Jets would be playing for first place and playing the Patriots. And I'm telling you, after watching this game and getting robbed on that play, on that uh, touchdown reversal, it's just a damn shame that they've, they've, you know, came out of this with a loss. Uh, the Jets came out storming 14 nothing, and give up 24 where on both sides of the ball they seemed to disappear and then they came back. But it's just a damn shame what happened at the end there on that reversal. So uh, Jets played tough, uh, but, you know, it's just a ridiculous loss. And that, that play is going to be reviewed for a long time. Mm. Thanks. Bye. And on the Patriots side, Tom Brady won his 187th regular season game now the all-time leader amongst quarterbacks. I uh, I should point out um, other things in this game. Todd Bowles was the first to say one play does not, you know, 
decide the whole game. We didn't lose the game just because of one play. That the Jets did get the ball back even with a chance to to tie it late and and they didn't get it done. They blew the fourteen nothing lead and give up so many extra doesn't doesn't make any of the calls any better. I mean the fact that the Patriots are giving up four hundred yards to the Jets should be extremely concerning for their defense. And another three hundred yard passer. Right. Every game I, this year. I mean, so there are a lot of things to worry about if you're the Patriots. But the Jets also we're down in that spot, giving the ball back to the Patriots up three with under five minutes to go. I would, I would expect the Patriots to find a way to win in that scenario anyways. So would I. It's just a matter of you're already up against it when you're playing yep. the Patriots. And when you feel like you get robbed that way, it hurts. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on. Second and 10 from the one-yard line of the Lions. And since the Lions don't go under center, Matt Stafford is again in the gun. Calling for the football. Saints coming off the edge. The ball is popped up in the air. Intercepted by Cam Jordan for the touchdown. Weird. His first score in the NFL. Weird. I mean, this is just weird. This is a weird, weird game. (laughs) That's Deuce McAllister along with Jim Henderson of uh, WWL, the Saints Radio Network. Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara combined for 237 yards from scrimmage. And uh, that Saints defense. Five turnovers. They scored three times, including that Cam Jordan pick six in the weird. end zone. That was weird. <laughs> and uh, the Saints uh, finished a finished off a fifty-two to thirty-eight win over the Lions. Greg, <laughs> it was a very <laughs> weird game. Uh, but let's let's not boil the ocean here. I don't even know what that means. Good corpo talk, though. <laughs> the Saints have won three in a row. It's wild. I mean, everything is weird. Everything is upside weird. down. It's weird. The Saints are a uh, a run first team. That's weird. Deuce. I mean, Deuce. Deuce remembers what it's like to be a run first Saints team. They ran the ball twenty <laughs> times in the. Greg first was waiting half. for another weird. Oh, yeah, you know, I was yeah. weird. Keep them coming, Lynn. That's the, it's all weird. The Saints are. <laughs> we're almost like a defense first team for this game. I mean, yes, you looked at the Lions scored thirty eight points, but the Lions scored two touchdowns of their own between their defense and their special teams, including a punt return. So there was five defensive or special teams touchdowns in this game, eight turnovers. Weird. And then we didn't even mention the score was 45 to 10 midway through the third quarter. This is oh my a, God. this is an early in right. the game. This is 45 to 10 midway through the third quarter. Fast forward to Matthew Stafford has the ball down only one score. That's when they got that final pick six, which put the game away. But at that point, Matthew Stafford had the ball with a chance to go tie it after being down 45 10, which would have been one of the greatest, weirdest comebacks Weird. ever. Because it wasn't even really their offense. It was their defense. It was their special teams. It was it was crazy. And a defense that's had one defensive touchdown since 2013. Was- I know they've not been a good defense, but that's almost impossible for a team to produce one and then have three today. And the fact, the fact that they got three touchdowns is ultimately fluky on some level, but they were up in Matthew Stafford's kitchen and playing great the whole game. He had 11 batted passes or 12 batted passes in this game, which Fox believes was only too short of the NFL record. I didn't even know that is a record, but they were just in his face, hitting him all game. And so the turnovers made some sense. The the Lions got the ball 
17 different times in this game to start a drive. That is a ton. Hmm. They only had 18 first downs. So they were basically shut down for most of this. Well, I know Stafford's been banged up, and they said, I read somewhere that he took every single snap out of shotgun or the pistol. Right. And this is not a mobile Matthew Stafford today. Did that contribute to the batted passes and the havoc? Yes, he, they were predictable with the short pass. I mean, it, they, he's banged up. They lose Golden Tate in the second half. They lose both their tackles at various points. They lost uh, a couple. Glover Quinn, their safety. I mean, they, they had a rough game in the Saints. This was a game they kind of needed to take care of. And Cam Jordan their defensive end who had two sacks in a monster game. He's having the best season of what's been a, a really good career. He was the best player today. So the Saints are on track. Detroit now scuffling a little bit. Uh, so we'll see how they bounce weird. back. It was a weird game. Let's move on. Hogan calls to the ball, gets the snap, has got some time, throws right side, and it's picked off. Jonathan Joseph up the left side of the field, the 50, the 40, J.J., the 30, the 20, 10, 5, pick, 6, Jonathan Joseph. Deshaun Watson continues to make it look easy. The dynamic rookie threw for 225 yards and three touchdowns to lead the Houston Texans to an easy 33-17 win over the still winless Cleveland Browns. Let's now welcome in native Ohioan. Ohioan? Ohioan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and 2019 Mr. Universe, Nick Shook, <laughs> to talk about the game. Shook, it's only October 15th, and we've already come to expect star performances from Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and he, he put another one on uh, Sunday, but you know you kind of have to take this one with a grain of salt because you're playing the Browns. And for as well as their defense has played in spurts throughout the first six games, today was not one to write home about. Uh, Deshaun Watson did a lot of what he's done well in the last few games. He has as many touchdown passes in his uh, time in Houston as Brock Osweiler did in his entire wow. time. Wow, all last season. Wow. And he leads, Deshaun Watson leads the NFL in touchdown passes. Process that. The guy didn't even start playing until week two, and he leads the NFL in touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, for the most part, he was just as excellent as he's been all season. There were a couple drives where the Browns defense did actually step up and force him into some mistakes. He still showed some of the signs of being a rookie, you know, uh, escaping clean pockets, running himself into pressure, that kind of thing. But for the most part, uh, Houston dominated this game. And, and there's, you know, last week I came in here and said rock bottom the Browns had met last week. <laughs> this yeah. might just be an extended it's, stay. It's new rock bottoms with every new week. And it's, I, honestly, last year was tough to swallow for Browns fans. This feels darker and much more depressing than last year. Yeah, uh, I think partially because they had all the hope that they had in this season sucked out of them when uh, Deshaun Kaiser was replaced by Kevin Hogan. And he was horrible today. I mean, I hate to say... Maybe they'll go back to Kaiser. Oh, it sounds like they they might. Well, the tone Hugh Jackson took before this week was that what Kaiser had shown was that he wasn't going to be on the field anytime soon, that he'd show that he still needed a, a lot of development and learning and everything else. But Kevin Hogan was so bad this week, and I, I still think that that was a move that was made for him to try to preserve his and, jobs. And I think Kevin Hogan was so bad, you got to go back. And remember, no J.J. Watt, no uh, Merciless, mm -hmm. uh, and still they had no problem taking control of this. No. My, you know, I know the Colonel of Truth segment. What is that what it's called, Mark? Your new week? Comeback Colonel. Popcorn? Yeah, I mean, A, would there needs to be a comeback. Okay. But, yeah, okay. So that that's that has promise, but I think my new This is strangely on Mark's radar, and I am enjoying it. <laughs> my, my new favorite weekly segment, I mean, unfortunately for, for you, Nick, is Nick Shook Riley accepts his fate 
as a Cleveland Browns fan. Just like, sir, <laughs> well, what like were we? The bemused we resignation this. as he recounts the latest Browns game. We were, uh, you know, we were IMing with each other briefly because there's not yeah. much to say. I think it's like the third quarter. You're, you're, you're younger. You're optimistic. I feel like you've seen a lot of junk happen with Cleveland, but there's something about you being from Cleveland that you're the last bastion of hope that I see as a Browns fan. And your language to me today was <laughs> took on a different tone. I'll never stop fighting, but I messaged Mark today. It's not disappointment. It's not sadness. It's not even anger. It's imprisonment. We are stuck in the world of being a Browns. Wow. Fan. Yeah. Well, that that all checks out, and the and the Texans are now three and three, and we'll try to forge on without Watt. That's good for first place now. It's good for first place, and with Watson at the controls, it feels like anything's possible. And what's a weird season in the NFL? Weird. Let's move on. Dozens of the shotgun inside. Give no keeps it on the option. Kirk at the five, and he is in. Touchdown on the keeper. That makes it a two-score game. Touchdown, baby. With 3.28 to play. What a call by Jay Gruden. Kirk Cousins ran for a score, threw for two, two touchdowns. Overall, an uneven performance, but still it was just enough as the Washington Redskins held off the San Francisco 49ers 26-24. The 0-6 Niners have now lost their last five games by. Everybody pay attention to this. Three, two, three. Three and two points. Fifteen points. Is that right? Does that add up to fifteen? That was, I, I cannot sorry. confirm. Is that the counting you were doing uh, before? Eight. I saw it. <laughs> 13, oh, okay. Thirteen points. Thirteen. Thirteen points. <laughs> I didn't lock that up. Thirteen points, five losses. That's almost impossible. Shook, this is what I imagine hell is like. <laughs> I, yeah, just repeated close losses. Yeah. Uh Here's the thing. Early, yeah, that's what I'm early, early in this game, <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't look like it. It looked like the Redskins yeah. were going to run away with it. And then Kyle Shanahan pulled Brian Hoyer wisely and turned to the rookie, C.J. Beathard, who he gained the job in a half of football. And it wasn't even close. The comparison between the two, it was night and day. Wow. And he just didn't have enough to bring, back, bring them all the way back. Uh, they were close at the end and couldn't finish the job. But... Pretty encouraging for the 49ers. Uh, yeah, you can look at these losses and say it's hell, or there's the DNA of something developing here and building. Would you rather be the team we just talked about or a team that's taking each game down to the final possession or two? It's it's a tough result. but Bethard was a really surprising third-round pick, and then he had a really surprisingly good preseason that pe- people were pretty impressed by. And now he's, it, it felt when I saw that Hoyer was pulled, I was like, Wow, that feels like a you know ten games of C.J. Beathard feels like a lot because I I kind of assumed Hoyer was pulled for good, but maybe Kyle Shanahan it's his hand picked guy, maybe he can find a little magic. Not like he's the quarterback of the future, but just like that he's someone to to help build like a Kirk Cousins like he did in Washington. I've never been a, a fan of Iowa quarterbacks just because their style of offense is not really conducive to I the program. <laughs> the program, or the program. Running the ball? Yeah. I yeah, yeah. All they do is hand the ball off. So uh, I wasn't really that high on him, but he did have a you know a good preseason, and, and he showed today. I mean, he proved it to me. 
he threw them right back into that game, and they were not in that game. Now, obviously, there's credit goes to their defense, which you know uh, shut things down for Washington in the second half. They only allowed nine points in the second half. Um, but yeah, Beathard, he's the guy. He well, he, makes, he makes him watchable. You know, Shanahan would have loved to stick it to the Redskins who fired him by coming back from seventeen nothing with Beathard. That would have been a pretty embarrassing loss. And the son of Bobby Beathard too. And he can, old school. Yeah, GM. you're right. Yeah, his name's up in uh, FedEx Field, and he could stick it to them next year by stealing Kirk Cousins. Just so you, I want everyone to sound intelligent. It's pronounced beat hard. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Any other thoughts on this game, Nick? Uh, not really. Uh, other than Chris Thompson has been the go-to guy in the rushing and the passing game, which was somewhat of a surprise uh, and explains why you're not seeing big numbers from other Redskins receivers. I feel like with Aaron Rodgers injured, like almost any NFC team can try to convince themselves that, sure. that why they're not? like an NFC contender. And in theory, the Redskins have had a lot go- to go against them so far and could get better. They're 3-2. and two. I mean, look, they at, really miss Rob Kelly. Chalk, I mean, really miss who were the Kelly. best three teams in the NFC last or the top four Seattle, Green Bay, Dallas and Atlanta. All of them ha- have had issues or major injury issues, suspension issues. And then you have all these other teams where it feels like a season where everyone could potentially finish eight and eight like the NFC is wild. I mean, I think the whole league is wide open as we try to look ahead toward January. But oh. yeah, and if you're Washington, you couldn't have lost this one because the Eagles are surging. You gotta, you gotta try to hang with them. All right, let's do one more uh, with 2019 through 2022, Mister Univers- mm. Universe. He's gonna win it four times in a row. Do you realize how strict of a life I would have to lead to do that? I mean, look you're, at you. you're there. You're halfway there. <laughs> you're gonna get a good pump in after today, right? Uh, like a 12 hour workday. Yeah, sure. Hey, I mean, you know what in. we do after work, please. It's not gonna be nearly as healthy. Yeah, well, you get a pump in, Mark. Not tonight. All right, let's move on. From the near side, we'll bring it out of the end zone. Near side numbers 10. Beers to his right. Pump Spins that gets at the 20. Now has a block. 25 30 down the near sideline. 40. Midfield Farrell Cooper into Jack's territory. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, LA. That's how you start the game right there. Ah, oh, J.B. Long, and there's our boy Maurice Jones-Drew of KSPN, the Rams radio network. Farrell Cooper returned the opening kickoff 103 yards. So after the uh, entire season, uh, there had not been a kickoff return for a score. There were two today. Um, anyway, so C- Cooper scored 103 yards out, one of two special teams touchdowns that helped the Rams topple the Jaguars 27-17 to um, in Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how the team had to get this the one. NFL respond. You take your curse and you stick it up your ace. <laughs> By the way, this, this proves the, you know, I don't know what the word is, how wise it is to have the two loss in a row rule before you break out team of AT hell. Because I think it would have been embarrassing had you broken out. Yeah, well, some people would say that. I st- and although I still want to break it out, <laughs> the next time they lose, it's coming out. Shook, the Rams are 4-2 and two for the first time since 2006. Today was an example of why they should be taken seriously in the suddenly wide-open NFC. They could beat you in different ways. The suddenly wide-open NFC that Greg Rosenthal wrote about on NFL.com. Wow, he's plugging me. Thank you very much me. here with NFL.com's Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, uh, big, big, big. Three bigs, not one, not two. Three bigs. Okay. What about a weird? Rams. Uh, not, uh, weird. Yeah, a little weird, yeah. Uh, really a game that exploded from the start with that kick return touchdown for Farrell Cooper, which was immediately followed by a 75-yard Leonard Fournette touchdown run, and then came to a screeching halt in the second half. A combined six points between the two teams in the second half, uh, both field goals and... 
not much else thanks to the defenses. Calais Campbell had two sacks. Uh, the Rams sacked Blake Bortles five times. Oof. And it really served as an example of, A, how well the Rams could potentially play, and B, how the Jaguars have to not play in order to win because they can't fall behind, and especially when it gets to the fourth quarter, not with Blake Bortles at quarterback. You just simply can't do it. Right. The numbers don't look that terrible for Blake Bortles, uh, but just from what I've heard in the game, like his accuracy mm-hmm. leaves a little something to be desired. It's, it's still, it's there's no that's, not, that's not a new trend. Yeah, there's the no one in the NFL that misses on an incomplete pass like Blake Bortles. He, his touchdown was basically a check down. I don't know if it was a design play or a check down, but he got it to Chris Ivory, who did all the heavy right. lifting on the play. It's still a Blake Bortles world in Jacksonville. And Leonard Fournette uh, went down with an ankle injury, and it looked for a second like a non-contact knee injury. And you're thinking to yourself, no, could anything more happen yeah, on this Sunday? Not take but, away Rodgers and Fournette in the same day, but luckily uh, the Jacksonville uh, announced that he was okay to come back in the game, but they held him out as a precaution, so that was good news. Uh, but yeah, Jacksonville is going to, I think, shook hit on it. If if they can get ahead with Fournette and that d- defense, they can win games. But you put them in a hole. They're not going to dig themselves out. Well, Greg brought it up last week. Telvin Smith's having a really good year. And he had a play today that could have turned the tide if the offense could have taken advantage of it. But, you know, you can only run Leonard Fournette so many times in a row in so many weeks and not expect a defense to stack the box to stop it. I mean, other than that touchdown run, he averaged something under three yards a carry. I mean, that's pretty good defense from the Rams. Well, and that happened against Pittsburgh last week, too. And from the second into the third quarter, Fournette was not going crazy. And then he got the best of them down the stretch late in the game. And you know what you can do when you play the Jaguars is you can play so that conservative in the second half where they ended up running the ball 36 times to only 21 throws. I mean, they won a game where they got only 124 yards from Jared Goff. And I think they probably were comfortable running Gurley that much because they were thinking, all right, come back on us. Blake Bortles. In the meantime, we'll let Gurley, who's the best guy on our offense, just get the ball, and if we don't score a lot, so be it. And unlike last year, when they needed those carries from Todd Gurley late in the game and that, that churned up the yards, they got the first downs they got him from it. Uh, what do we got today? Uh, we got some back and buys today? or uh, We need we to hit arms. I didn't hit arms. arms. <laughs> and if you look at... A lot of work to do in those arms. Buys and tries. <laughs> yeah, the Feeling shook, small. The total package. Some guys, what are they called? What's the uh, the lingo inside the guys that go beach muscles and they don't work the legs? Uh, the glamour muscles. The glamour muscles. Yeah. You're going to get a leg pump in soon enough, too. That was yesterday. Beach body. There you go. Who? I mean, honestly, who? what, what else do you want to hear? The dude is doing a Saturday leg day. Oh, yeah. A lot of people won't do that. They're either taking the day off or they're going with the glamour muscles on Saturday because they got the date at the end of the night. This guy's working his quads. What? <laughs> glutes, too. <laughs> and the glutes. <laughs> That's a butt. All right. Nick Shook, thank you so much, as always. Greg just flabbergasted by that. Well, it's <laughs> Dan could not be objectifying Shook's physical body yeah, anymore I'm at this little, point. I'm so. a little uncomfortable with it. You know, he's he's just another member of the Shield softball team. He puts on his softball pants uh, one leg at a time. Left leg first, then right. Yeah. Beach body. For sure. Nick Shook, uh, off he goes to the gym, get a pump in. You won't be alone. Mark also getting a pump in later tonight. Absolutely not true. Definitely a pump is, is happening tonight. Let's move on. Palmer hands off Peterson again up the middle, and he's got the first down and more, and Adrian Peterson's heading for the end zone. Touchdown, Cardinals. What a debut by all day. Well, you better believe all day. A little jump cut, a little shimmy, and then a burst through the hole. Touchdown. 
You can tell Dave Pash and Ron Wolfley, they needed this. Wolfley, man. Wolfley, they've, yeah. they've, they've needed this KTAR with the call. <laughs> Adrian Peterson rushed for two touchdowns and 134 yards in his debut uh, in Arizona. And the Cardinals held off a comeback attempt by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by Fitz Magic, of all people. But in the end, it was a 38-33 to win for the Cardinals, who, um, you know, we were talking uh, leading into this game of how the, the, pretty much there was nobody uh, in the NFC that was looking as bad as Arizona. And, and yet, with Adrian Peterson, they looked like a new team. Mark, reports of Adrian Peterson's demise were premature, and it seemed to make everyone better. It really did. I, it, it, the game took on a strange tone in the second half when the comeback occurred, but I really saw a, an Arizona team that took its foot off the gas and kind of just let the second half play out. They were so incredibly dominant early on, taking a 31 to nothing lead at one point, and Peterson ran in a way that our boy Chris Wessling said he would. He, he, it, people writing him off, he just never really fit with that Saints team. They let him basically... Owned the game from the first minute. Looked great. You know, he ended up with 134 yards. That doesn't include a 41-yard run that got called back by penalty. He was physically dominant. Beautiful cuts here and there. And it opened up the passing game. It's the first game all year where Carson Palmer played most of the game completely upright. Second half, things got a little haywire. But it completely opened up the passing game in terms of bringing Larry Fitzgerald into the mix in a way that he hasn't this season yet also. It was a phenomenal game. for It looked like the Cardinals from two seasons ago, well, basically. And if you think about it with um, Peterson, we didn't really know. I know he didn't have a, a productive uh, short stay in New Orleans, but we really didn't know if he had any juice left. Uh, but at the same time, if there was a chance... When would he ever be more motivated than this game, knowing he was going to get the ball 20, 25 times, knowing everybody was going to see if he was if he had a fork sticking out of his back? Mm. So I was impressed, but not but not surprised by this performance. I want to see what he's like more in the long term. But mm. today, I think he it had to be a very gratifying performance. It's still awesome, even if the rest of his tenure in Arizona is just okay for him to give that you know, one great last moment after what he was through last year off the field. I mean, not not playing and coming back from the injury and everyone saying he's washed to have kind of an epic, you thought I was done, but I'm not done performance again. That's kind of what Adrian Peterson is known for. And I think it's one of those games like we'll, we'll remember this game when you think about his career. I agree. Very memorable. And, you know, again, I cannot stress if it sticks, how much it changed this offense, which was unwatchable. We go Carson Palmer opens 14 of 14. It was not a coincidence. Mm. The play action takes on a completely different tone when you actually buy the running back. Look at the guy he replaced, Chris Johnson, uh, who had a really nice career, but he was done. And Greg, just quick aside, you said washed. I know that seems to be gaining a foothold. What happened to washed up? Is that being phased out? It's more efficient if you're washed. It seems hipper too. Like guys, oh, that guy's Definitely washed. Hipper. Well, what happened to washed? I think it's probably going to be very tired in both, about two months. I very th- tired. I think too. they're both. I think they're both fine. I mean, I I was stunned by this, which uh, should be obvious uh, because I got. I'm going to get a big fat sad horn for locking this one up. In. And that was only that was only because I was just picking against the Cardinals. I didn't I didn't I don't even like this Bucks team right now. The way they're playing, their defense has been inconsistent. Jameis Winston, who went out with a shoulder injury, which might have been the biggest story in the NFL, uh, if not for Aaron Rodgers. Now it feels like an afterthought. He's getting an MRI Monday. He he's optimistic he'll be able to play. He's he was to, warming up at one point. You in never the know. Half. Sometimes you never those, know. Well, he those, came back in briefly as well, and then exited again. I mean, here's the thing. 
that what what Buck fans don't want to hear is that Ryan Fitzpatrick flat out outplayed him. Wow, this wasn't perfect, but Winston has not been a solution for this he, offense he necessarily. Not, I just didn't think this Cardinals team had this game in them. I mean, they've been one of the worst teams in the NFL. They, you know, twenty seventh in Football Outsiders going into or thirtieth, I believe, going into today. Like their point differential for the season, even after today, is worse than the Forty ers the 49ers haven't won well, a game. I sense. mean, that's a little—it's a little yeah. fluky, and they like, almost lost. Right? They have—they have not been a good team this year. But I, I don't know. Sometimes teams can change. If you've got enough talent, they're three and two. This whole NFC West is above 500 right now, except for the 49ers. Um, Greg, your wild your locks record now—it's getting Brownsian. Mm. So there's got to be it's as we head year. towards Week Seven. Is there a little bit? Where's your P scale? Let's say one is uh, my underpants are fine. No worries. Can go out in public and not even think about it. And 10 being, oh, my goodness, everyone's looking at me. I need to get a change in my underpants and fresh pants. I'm just soaked all the way through. But you are deep in the narrative. I'm going to go one then because I don't think anyone in the public is looking at me and thinking about it. Have you ever been to, mind. say, like Starbucks and the, you know. I mean, the- I want to, you know, I want to turn it around here, uh, but we're all struggling. <laughs> As a group, we are. Under- don't try to do that. No, 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 we go sure. again. No. We're under 500. I'm just saying the locks haven't haven't lived up to their name. Have you it, ever been? Have you ever been denied? Have you ever been denied no, service no, no. at an eatery the, or a or a coffee shop because of your lock record? Has anyone anywhere noticed at all? No I, one's ever mentioned it. I believe I'm either three. I think I might be three and three. Okay, but. Uh, this is the same thing when you like you casually like, oh yeah, everyone on the podcast is so short and like I don't have the hottest bod, but the one thing I'm not is short. You're trying to group me <laughs> overall in though bad at locks. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same type of thing. I'm not doing poorly in locks. You're doing doing poorly. Three and locks. three is very poorly. I would uh, is very poor. I well, would say. So what is you? Because what are you? Even worse. Like last year, I think we were probably at 80 80 percent or so. There is a distinction between three and three and one and five or zero and six. I'm not. I'm not even sure what your record is. I'm just saying you seem to be making some excuses and trying to shield or change or shift their narrative, which tells me it bothers you, and that's why I love it. (laughs) Let's move on. Oh, Oh, one more thing. I want to because we love hearing from Uncle Brucey. Um, let's listen to um, the head coach of the Car- Cardinals, uh, Bruce Arians, talking about his uh, new addition. Now, obviously, a day for old guys. I know how to coach old guys. I love Bruce Arians. Let's move on. In overtime, left to right kick, far left hash. The snap, a little tall, the spot clean, the right-footed kick has the leg, and the kick is good! Connor Barth nails it from 40 yards out. And the Bears, who blew a 17-3 lead, beat the Ravens in Baltimore 27-24 in overtime. Jeff Joniak of WBBM with the call. Connor Barth's 40-yard field goal with two minutes and eight seconds to play in overtime was the difference uh, as the Bears uh, beat the Ravens 27-24. Uh, Jordan Howard had a really nice game, rushing for 167 yards. Uh, uh, Tariq Cohen, who had kind of disappeared in the last couple weeks, threw a touchdown and and got the ball a lot. Greg, Mitch Trubisky picked up his first career win, uh, and the Ravens season has taken a turn for the macabre. These two teams are very similar. There's not much separating these two teams, though. They they looked like kind of the same team. Hey, we need that's a, not good. We need a running back to throw a touchdown if you're the Bears. Uh, for the Ravens, I mean, their offense scored six points. They only they only came back in this game because they had a 77 yard punt return. Uh, they had another score set up 
by a turnover. Basically, they were reliant on their defense and special teams. They also had a 96-yard kickoff return. That's the only reason they were even in this game. It was this John Fox's dream right here. They ran the ball 54 times to 17 passes. They were, I mean, 54 times. And that's not, that's not like, hey, we got a lead early and let's run it. They ran the ball 21 times to six throws for Trubisky in the first half. It was all run all the time. Don't let Trubisky do anything. And it completely wipes away Baltimore's encouraging win over Oakland last week where it looked like maybe the Ravens on offense were opening up the passing game, able to run and turning things around. They seem unwatchable on offense. They, they could run the ball a little bit, but... They can get run on, too. I mean, how many, yards did the, how many yards did the Bears have rushing? 230 what to the, yards? What right. happened to the Ravens' awesome defense? Well, right. I mean, I think five weeks of the NFL season, basically. Oh, another one? I think Mark's only won one lock this year, too. And Wes is 0-2 or something like that. They sent us the standings. On, yeah. So I just saw it. So, yeah. so it's pretty, pretty rough. It's well, pretty the rough. fact my 3-3 three and three looks like almost 72 Dolphins-ish when compared to the right. rest of the league. But then That's they, all I'm saying. They, the ATN locks uh, crew, who's not happy with me, you should check them out on Twitter. Lock yeah. it up. Because they sent our overall records, and we're in last year we barely lost any of them. Because that's the whole point: is it's supposed to be locks. It's not a good thing if I, I think it was fair to point out that we're well under five hundred. <laughs> well, you guys are. I just want to right. make that clear. Like you have been Dan, along pristine, with, Dan. Along with the height, Dan is very happy with like mediocrity. He's like, yeah, I'm right at average. Don't get at me. Uh, you know, not below five hundred. <laughs> I'm a little above average in height and, you know, at 500 in my locks. Anything else, Mark? For, uh, regarding you? I, I do want to give uh, I do want to give uh, Wesleyan's boy Trubisky a little bit of love. Even in a game where he only had 113 yards, two plays really stood out and helped them win this game. His touchdown throw on the run was a thing of beauty. I mean, that's kind of what he's known for yep. right now. And then another play where they threw the ball uh, – on a snap over his head. He had to be pretty athletic to go run, get the ball, run away from the defense and throw it away. And in a game like this, that that athleticism sort of felt like the difference. I think they're still very happy he's the guy over Mac, Mike Lennon, for sure. The Ravens, macabre scenario, Mark? I like it. it. It channels back to the origin of that team. All right, let's move on. This will be a 32-yard attempt. They move back a little bit. Money. Two knees. Nick Novak on. Snap. Hold. Kick is up. And it is good. Chargers win. Chargers win. 17-16. They defeat the Raiders. Matt Money Smith with the call. KLAC, Chargers Radio Network. Nick Novak. Chargers win. <laughs> Listen to that. I mean, you notice anyone attached to our show outside of, outside of us. Matt Money Smith going on to become a weekly play-by-play guy for yeah. an NFL Chargers team. Chargers win. Connie Fox yeah. completely blowing us away from a career perspective at this point on like 12 TV shows. Everyone attached to the show mm. soaring, Sydney, except Sydney for us. Homecoming mm. uh, at BYU, which is like her dream job. We, we might have some more news along this front of people getting great opportunities later this week. That's what's called a tease in the business. Oh, nice. Also, well, that's interesting. Also, uh, Gonzo just got a full-time position at The Ringer. Except for us. But we are still here. 
Nothing's changed for the group for this group. This is the group you're attaching yourself to, Lindsay. Oh, she'll be producing, you know, game oh, yeah. day morning live at some. She's going to replace like Gelman on uh, live with uh, <laughs> Kelly and Strahan or whatever. Wow. No way, I'm still. I'm with you guys for the long haul. <laughs> way to go! All right, with the current reference there, Dan. <laughs> I think Gelman does still produce He's that still show. There, all right. Yeah, Gelman yeah. has been there for decades. Anyway, so uh, yeah, Novak made that kick, and <laughs> and the Chargers beat the Raiders. Chargers uh, win. 17-16. The Free-falling Oakland Raiders, Greg. Derek Carr returned to the lineup, but Oakland remains stuck in the mud. Maron. Derek Carr, you have to give him a, a little, some credit for fighting through the toughness mm. of a back injury. Of course. That, that's problematic. I do think there were some signs of the impact of that back injury in this game. Maybe his movement not as great as... It usually is. And then more importantly, they just didn't throw the ball down the field. Now, I don't know if that's an injury or not, but his two interceptions really came from inaccurate throws. And they didn't really try to go down the field much in this game. So it just, when you watch them, it's not the same Raiders team that we saw a year ago. Well, they're boring on offense. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're particularly exciting on defense (laughs) either. It's a fair fair point. In in, Takar's credit, Look, it looked like they had maybe won this game with a fourth quarter touchdown drive. I mean, that's coming through in the key spots if that's you're Derek what, Carr. That's what he does. But they gave the ball back to, to Phillip Rivers, and he ends up this time. It's the Chargers with the ball bleeding the clock. Melvin Gordon with his second straight strong game running the ball through the Raiders defense, and they just could not get a stop. Hunter Henry finally woke up, especially on this last drive and in, in, in this game, and the Raiders just couldn't get the ball back and set up that game-winning field goal. If you're Oakland, you are 2-4 and four and having to now go deal with the Chiefs in a short week. I, your season could be essentially over by next weekend. They are a total messer. I'm wondering... Point. I'm wondering if... You know, if Derek Carr's not right, if you're saying you think he might... I don't know. He didn't have a good game. Let's just say he's probably not 100%, which he probably isn't. It was like a two- to six-week injury, and he came back in two. Why is Marshawn Lynch only getting the ball 13 times? If there was ever a time to give Lynch the ball like they did in the old days, give it to him 25 times and and ride the game that way, why not do it? And if you're not going to do it now, when would you? He was effective. He was running hard. I think he's been fine. It really is the offensive line, which we gave a lot of credit to before the season, has not been opening up holes. Uh, Corderell Patterson had a 47-yard touchdown. That's what gave them the lead. He he ended up giving the biggest play in the running game. He's like the only thing exciting on the team. He, he it's a it's a great point by Mark, and it's partly because of a missed extra point, which happened on a bad snap. That they could be staring at two and five. That Thursday night game is huge, and for the Chargers, they now have a home game next week against the Broncos. Where I don't know, at least they're gonna feel like maybe we can get back in this thing if we can win one more game win three in a row if you're the Chargers this was their first road win in the division in three years which is pretty wild oh my god whoa it's also the first time the Saints are over 500 since 2013 everything's happening embarrassing by the way weird okay you think we're done but we're not going to the Sunday night game just yet we got a little bit of breaking news Dan Hansen all right NFL media insider Ian Rappaport reports that Martavis Bryant has requested a trade from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And apparently his displeasure uh, with his spot on the team, not a surprise to a lot of those around the team. Interesting. I mean, that was the coming off a week where they were talking about de-emphasizing him in the offense. Now that might be permanent. It's funny. I saw that earlier in the show, and I was like, 
area crybaby wants out because he's not on the field enough that could wait till tuesday that's what i was thinking. that's a big you know why why wait we're here he's not going anywhere they're not going to trade him at least not you never know fits well with the you know the 10 minutes we spent talking about how pittsburgh's overcome all this drama and they're not a drama magnet anymore well yes you are i i i would i don't know we'll we will talk about it then but i don't think it's that crazy to trade a a malcontent that's not producing especially when you can possibly get something for him he's he's a guy that would would have plenty of values Quite a gamble by whoever got in business with Martavis Bryant. Yeah, he'd be on my radar as, as a different front office right now trying to get I could, I could see the Browns. You know, they brought in Sammy Coates next time. Mark Don't Davis even Bryant. try it, Greg. Ooh, I like the idea of Kenny Britt and Martavis <laughs> Bryant oh, with Josh Gordon waiting in the wings and Johnny Manziel clapping along. Which takes us to Sunday Night Football. Simeon takes the shotgun snap, and he's back to throw. He throws it underneath. Pass intercepted by Jack Rabbit. He's to the 30, 20, <laughs> 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Giants. 44 yards for Jack Rabbit. Bob Papa with the call. Jack Rabbit is, do we remember who Jack Rabbit is? Janoris Jenkins. Janoris I don't Jenkins. love the usage there in that setting, but okay. Awfully comfortable and familiar. <laughs> using Jackrabbit instead of Janoris, but he likes it. Janoris Jenkins, he likes it. He likes playing against Trevor Simeon and the Broncos because he took it back to the house, gave the Giants a big lead going into the half, and they never look back. The, the New York football Giants finally get a win, 23-10 over the Broncos in Denver in what has to be, uh, Greg Rosenthal, one of the biggest surprises of the season. I, I, I don't, I can't make, I spent all week having fun at the Giants expense saying of this would never, there would never be a more defined blowout in one team's favor. And then the Giants basically blew out the Denver Broncos in primetime. I mean, earlier on this very program, I, I said how the Dolphins had the most surprising win of the season. And then uh, the Giants, you know, as the kids said, uh, hold my beer. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Whoa. What a crazy game. <laughs> I think we just lost. Greg for a second there. Uh, Mark, how about you? Your thoughts on this game? Well, it just it's it's baffling at the same time. I'm I'm done being stunned by results to any of these games because it's, fair. it's uh, well, it, most of these teams, it feels to me that about 90% of the NFL is a week to week proposition with these teams. And tonight, how do you how do you map this one out? We do we spend all week doing these pick shows and you try to come up with a logical conclusion about what's going to happen. You take away essentially all of New York's receiving core. And instead, Orleans Darkwa blows up for a hundred and six starters on top of that. It's it's absurd to me. And then and it, it, the way the game unfolded, I mean, Denver, their formula has been when they're successful. Remember that we're not many weeks removed from them dominating the Dallas Cowboys in a game that made me think this is a team with Super Bowl type DNA, and they can't run the ball tonight, and they now have a ton of injuries of their own. Snuck up on you at the Well, end. I got out of like there. That. I got out of there quick. De- Denver, though, has an offensive problem. You know, they can play from the lead. That Dallas game was an anomaly. We now have a three-week sample size where they scored 16, 16, and 10, right? So th- this is an offense that plays better from ahead. You don't want Trevor Simeon uh, throwing the ball 50 times like he did tonight. But you also give, have to give the Giants some credit. Not only did they get Orleans Darkwa... 117 yards on the ground. They have two game-changing defensive players who are among the highest-paid players 
players in the league. JPP had three sacks and contributed to that Whoa. goal line stand right at the end of the game that really cemented it. And Janoris Jenkins, who is getting picked on essentially early in the game. Jackrabbit? Jackrabbit fights back not just with the pick six, but with some great plays in the second half. And he was part of that stop on the goal line. I mean, he was playing very tough tonight. Well, this was the Giants defense we thought we would see. A couple uh, thoughts about Denver. They have now scored in their last three games 16, 16, and 10 points. Uh, Hashtag Team Trev. A little shaky right now, Greg, after a great start. Not rubbing it in, just pointing out that the offense is not moving and the starting quarterback, it, it falls on him most of the time. The running game, he's not getting any help, at least this week he didn't. Jamal Char- Charles, 5 for 19. C.J. Anderson, 9 for 17. And on the Giants' side of the ball, Mike Sullivan quietly took over play-calling duties uh, from Ben McAdoo. They, they pulled the old uh, Olay on the media, didn't let anyone know all week, and then Al Michaels... Um, who had some nice bits on Sunday night. Um, he announced it right at the beginning of the game. So it's a nice start for Mike Sullivan. Ben McAdoo uh, could use a game like this uh, and probably will be um, sleeping better this week. So I'm sure he hasn't done it much this year. Yeah, and if you're Denver, you had a bye week to prepare for a game that everyone thought you should have taken care of. <laughs> now... You have to go on the road for three straight games to deal with the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Eagles, then the Patriots. Their schedule is brutal down the stretch. Mm. They they have to be worried about the offensive line play. So that's what's been the same throughout the season. That Dallas game was an exception. Trevor, Trevor Simeon's gotten hit all season long. I don't think the line is particularly any better right now this season than they were before. And then you lost Emmanuel Sanders in this game to an ankle injury that did not look Pretty. I mean, he is very valuable because they have two great wide receivers, but it's very thin after that. And if they lose Sanders for an extended period of time, which it sure looked like they would, like that, that is a major, major loss. Um, Al Michaels, before the game started, uh, in what felt like a desperate sell of a bad game for NBC, said, hey, it's the NFL. Anything can happen. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. But they still didn't get a good game. Uh, Alan, Chris and Michelle are still looking for a good game on Sunday night. Maybe it will happen next week, Mark, when Sunday night football pits what two teams? In a Super Bowl rematch, the Patriots and oh, the Falcons. Nice job. Top. That was well played. Um, anyway, so that's it. Everyone's going to go eight and eight. Now that the Giants are That's what's two, happening here. That will, right. if, I don't know how the Browns are going to do it, but I think well, everything else is in play. Giants have a long way to go. And... And don't think that, that McAdoo's not going to take back this play calling. He's, he's, he remembers how he got the job. It's from He got the job from being the hot offensive coordinator that had a nice hot offense. Hot is the right going. word. So if, you, if, if this goes too well, I think he takes it right back. <laughs> Just out of spite. Um, Total dysfunction. All right. We'll be back on Tuesday uh, with our uh, recap of Monday Night Football, uh, which Mark features a game between. Ah, uh, the Colts and the Titans. You are on fire. Listen, I know. I start to know now. These questions are going to come at me. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, check us out Tuesday, and we'll have a very special guest uh, at the end of the show, hopefully. So that will be good. Uh, but that's it for tonight. Stan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm. The mailman, Nick Shook. He ain't shook. Uh, the old boss, and there she is, Lindsay Fulton behind the glass. Till Tuesday.
Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America. And enjoy a selection of exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order.